Welcome. You're listening to the Consensus State Change Podcast, an interview series inspired by the emerging decentralization phenomenon. Thanks for joining me on State Change, Rebecca. Thanks for having me, Arthur. Your voice is so smooth with this microphone. Is Am I going to sound like that or no? No, you're going to sound awful. Um, to begin with, how about you just uh, introduce yourself and explain what you do at Consensus? Sure. So uh, my name is Rebecca McGrove. I head up communications at Consensus. So I oversee a bunch of our corporate communications as well as spoke communications. I help out with some PR strategy and go-to-market strategies for our spokes. So the subject I wanted to talk to you about today was supply chains, because one of the most uh, one of the most read and uh, and and most visible articles that was ever published on Consensus Media was your piece on the supply circle. Um, I was wondering if you could outline that actually. How about how about we start with you outlining that, and then we dig into uh, we dig into the nuts and bolts of it. Sure. So uh, the way I got into looking at it, first of all, was sort of I have this big passion uh, for circular economies. I have a background in political economics. So that led me to seeing all these links in blockchain that could allow for more uh, equitable economies to be formed, both locally and globally. And that got me thinking, you know, what is one of the biggest problems that we face in having um, really transparent, equitable financial and economic relationships with people. And that is this like, lack of a transparent supply chain. And not just lack of a transparent supply chain, but lack of any methods by which we can make it transparent. So what I ended up doing was deep diving into a bunch of the sectors where this is most evidence is really be trying to be addressed. So you have this movement in ethical fashion that's going towards you know more environmentally friendly production and also more... Uh, humanitarian production. And you also have this happening in consumer electronics. So there has been you know, a lot of backlash to the coal tenues and cell phones, the way that's mined in uh, the DRC. So that sort of research led me to think about, okay, how can we actually create platforms that enable people to relate to each other economically in a way that they haven't been before? And then circular economies came up with it, which is a concept that um, has been circulating for a while. Uh, and I started to think about, you know, what if you took a supply chain and rather than making it just this chain and like link of bolts, you created something that allowed for every single person in the supply chain from the final end consumer to the initial, you know, farmer of the materials, uh, the raw goods that are used to create something. What if you made them able to interact with each other and you allowed for this sort of, you know, back loop? into the initial rounds of production by the consumer. So can you explain that again, just how, how that works? Again, this is sort of my own theoretical formulation of it. Uh, this doesn't exist yet. Uh, the idea is sort of, imagine having uh, a farm in upstate New York, right? And you can see it sort of as a CSA model, but a little bit differently. What's the CSA model? So community-supported agriculture. So the way that works is that I will pay $250 at the beginning of the season, uh, or even earlier, for you know, this fall's crops, and I'll get a basket delivered to me, or I'll pick it up every week, and I just pay for it in advance, and that supports the farmers, you know, farming <laughs> prior to actually getting paid. 
So you can see it like that, but a little differently. Let's say I could take my phone and I could log into an app and I could see, you know, the history of the soil that my apple was grown in. And I could see, you know, who was actually farming it, who harvested it. Um, and I could, by seeing that, I could, you know, not only know where my food comes from and ensure that it's not only ethically produced, but the people who are producing it are ethically treated. I could also then, you know, with my community members, potentially subsidize a grant or a loan for the farmer to try new, more environmentally friendly farming practices, for example. So there's a big push uh, for in the agricultural community, especially in like organic agriculture, to reduce uh, monoculture farming, which is where you only uh, plant one crop. You could envision, you know, community members giving the far- a farmer a grant to actually not plant, you know, just a wheat crop, which they could get a pretty big return for usually, but to do a more diverse uh, crop. So how do you actually track how the uh, how the crop is being produced, and how do you bring that? Uh, that information to the consumer, and furthermore, how will these tools, how will these theoretical tools, help prevent the abuses that we see in the Democratic Republic of Con- Congo? So there are a couple of companies trying to address similar problems. Uh, so Provenance is one; uh, they're based in the UK, and they've been working with not the consumer side, but more a B two B version of this. So what they've done is uh, using the um, smart tags, they've allowed for, you know, by scanning this tag, you can see the history and the, the people that are actually producing it are incentivized to participate in this process because, you know, they can get, catch a higher price for more ethical practices. You know, there's, there's economic benefits for them when they have a... But wait, who cares though about the ethics of fish? And what are the ethical questions that we've got to worry about? That's a really good question. Uh, I care about the ethics of fish, right? And lots, lots of other uh, millennials like me care about the ethics of fish. And this is sort of a turn we're seeing in the way people think economically, is that there has been a shift uh, in, the, in public thought from you know, just rapid consumption to more ethical consumption. So in the Southeast Asian uh, fishing industry, for example, there's a lot of slave labor um, and human trafficking that goes on. So as that's become more and more evident, as we've learned more about that, people become more and more concerned with, you know, how the people who are fishing the food they're eating are treated. And not only that, you have a really major overfishing problem on the planet right now. So, you know, there is potentially a way... And again, very potentially a way you can engage consumers uh, more actively in the production cycle. But that's only if you can like economically incentivize the producers to participate, right? There's this, there's sort of this two-way thing. And I don't have the answer to it. There's companies like Provenance and Chronicled as well who are trying to address this. Um, Chronicled is doing this much more on a consumer-facing level. And you're doing it with now sneakers and starting smart tags into luxury sneakers. And allowing for, you know, that, that really transparent market uh, where currently there's a really big counterfeit problem in the high-end sneaker market. And that's an issue for the actual consumers. Why the focus on electronic consumer goods? Why is that something that you've, you know, that seems like kind of a strange spot. If there is slavery in the Southeast Asian, um, Southeast Asian fishing supply chain, fish supply chain, why focus on uh, why focus on electronic goods? What are, what are the potential ethical abuses that are taking place there? So uh, Coltane, which is an 
all of our electronic devices uh, that makes them work uh, is mined in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So the mines in the DRC are predominantly worked by child slaves that are taken from their homes and enslaved by these major warlords in the DRC. And companies like Apple, like Microsoft, uh, like these, these massive producers of consumer electronics, they don't deal with them directly usually. There's subcontractor upon subcontractor upon subcontractor who is allowing for this very, very obfuscated process through which coltan that is mined by child slaves ends up coming into all of our cell phones. So that and and so what what devices uh, is Coltan specifically used in? What what kind of devices? It's used in cell phones. It's used in laptops. It's used in most anything that you know, connects to the internet, basically. Are there cell phones or laptops that don't contain Coltan? No, not that I know of. So that's so. I mean, you say like Apple and Microsoft, but that's like Samsung, LG, yeah, all of them. Pretty much any piece of consumer electronics that you have contributes to. Uh, child slavery and the and the general chaos of uh, of the quote unquote, quote unquote Democratic Republic of Congo. Yes, yes, and you know it's the issue with this primarily. I mean, aside from it being child slavery, is that these companies that are you know producing these phones and selling them to us in America and in Europe, you know, they can sort of say oh, I don't know, I get it from a subcontractor who's a subcontractor of my contractor. And that's the way that major global supply chains now work. They're subcontractors upon subcontractors. So most major companies can sort of say, oh, you know, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't know because I don't speak to the subcontractor of my subcontractor. Nike did this in the early 90s when this big scandal happened around their sneakers being produced by 11-year-olds and Taiwan, who are under very terrible conditions. So how can uh, so how can the tools that Ethereum gives us fix this problem? From what I've I've seen thus far, and the kinds of things that are being built in the ecosystem, and from what I I know about the technology, we can envision uh, individuals who are part of these supply chains, and I don't mean you know the the CEO of Nike, right? I mean like the person who is actually mining the coltan, I mean the person who's actually doing the fishing, they have a self-sovereign identity that they can then use to interact with these platforms where the things that they are producing, the things that they're fishing and, and creating do go through the supply chain and do go through this process, but it's almost like an ethical requirement, a social requirement for their bosses to make that transparent, right? So it's not so much just the technology, it's really about the sort of social and economic imperative and incentive that we give to the head of the fishing company in Indonesia to make transparent what is going on internally. So this sounds to me like you'd have a situation where on the shelf, you would have two different cell phones or two different companies, let's say. You have Apple, which can say, we can audit our supply chain all the way back to the individual who mined the coltan. And so you have the choice of having the definitely slavery-free electronics on the, on the shelf next to the potentially slavery, we don't really know, um, you know, produced electronics. So I guess that creates a kind of a, 
an ultra premium product category that is ethical. And it's not an, even an ultra premium, right? There's a massive markup on most of these products. So you, you shave a little bit off of that markup and you can keep the product that is obviously ethical at the same price, the product that isn't. And what happens is that if you're not behaving ethically in this economy, then you just don't have a, you don't have a product anymore because no one is buying it. And you know, from, from what I understand of the way that consumers are trying to think now, there's, you know, if, you have this, if you have two things, they're exactly the same price, but one is ethical and organic and all of this, you know, people are more likely to buy it. And that's just sort of a, a branding thing as well. Awesome. So what are, the ne- what are our next steps? What are our actionables? What do we do from here to, uh, to make all this stuff a reality? It's a really good question. I think that the first thing we do, right, is get a full understanding of the problem we're addressing. I think that, you know, for the most part, our industry uh, isn't engaged in these kinds of economic problems as we should be. So that's, in, in, my, in my view, sort of the first step, right? How do we position our, we talk about in consensus, especially about creating the future we want to live in and want to be in. And part of creating that future is understanding that our economies are going to look vastly different in 40 years, whether we like it or not, no matter what. And that has nothing to do with what we're doing right now. They're just going to look different. And we have the opportunity to actually decide what that different is. Because we're building, in my opinion at least, you know, we're building the sort of infrastructure for the future, we do have the opportunity to create a more ethical economic life for people. And I think the first step is understanding those problems. The first step is seeing, you know, how are people, for example, in, in the refugee crisis, what are, you know, really the, the core issues that, that refugees are facing? You know, whether it's identity, whether it's access to jobs and access to, you know, educational records, something as simple as like getting your educational records so you can prove to someone, yes, you were a doctor in this country is so difficult, even when you aren't facing a refugee crisis. I think when we focus on these core infrastructure tools, like identity, we can start to build the infrastructure for having this circular economy and this supply circle. But that's, you know, when we think about the tools we're building, we have to actually think about this more ethical economy. So uh, do you have any links people should follow up on? Yeah, there are a bunch in the (laughs) article I wrote, but also I would recommend everyone, you know, to read both provenance and chronicled white papers. They're Super interesting, and these are two companies that are really addressing it from a consumer-facing level right now. Great. Thanks a bunch. It's been good having you on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to State Change. Check out consensusmedia.net for more.